Good morning. Is there anyone who did not receive a lesson sheet this morning and you would like to have one? Would you just raise your hand and uh, Scott, you'll look around. Anyone here? All right, Brother Tim, back here. Anyone else need a lesson sheet this morning? Thank you, Scott. It is good to see each of you here today. I'm glad I have the opportunity to be here also. The Lord's been good to me this week and given me the strength that I need to be here this morning. Uh, Josh, it's good to have you and your family back. We're glad to see you, especially when you fill up a whole pew. That's great. It is also good to see Isla Ray here this morning. This past Friday, we uh, pastor preached the homegoing service for Keith. Had a good attendance there. Many of you, several of you were able to make it, and I'm sure that she appreciates that. But uh, we continue to pray for you, Isla Ray, that God will give you grace and strength for the days ahead. I found out something just before this, well, actually Friday, if you were there at the funeral, uh, you saw the slide presentation, and you noticed there were several planes that were uh, shown on the screen. And I didn't know it that Keith and Isla Ray both were pilots. They both flew. And not commercial airlines, but they flew private planes, several of them. And I believe that Keith even tried to, or he did, did he build one? He, he started to build one, but he didn't finish it, all right? And uh, Isla Ray told me a couple stories just before um, the service. How many of you have flown planes? Anyone here? Scott, do you still have your license? You don't have a license, but you, but you have flown. Mike, you've flown. It's a, you know, uh, I began many years ago when I was still in the Air Force. I thought that, that um, the Lord wanted me to be a missionary pilot. And so I began taking flying lessons. And of course, I was in the Air, Air Force. Uh, I was an aircraft mechanic, had some background there. And uh, I uh, thought maybe the Lord would have me to go to South America to be a missionary pilot, flying the jungles and all. I accumulated about 40 hours. And uh, we had some children, but more came along by that time. And of course, the funds got a little short. And so the last time I flew, I was scheduled to fly a uh, cross country. You know, it's scary when you fly somewhere and you can't find the landing strip. And that happened to me. Uh, and Isla Ray was sharing with me also that that happened to her. She got lost. But you know what you do when you get lost as a student pilot? You get on the radio, Scott, and you call for help. And that's the problem with a lot of students who have gotten in trouble because they were too proud and were not willing to call for help. And you know that's the same in the Christian life? Sometimes we get into trouble, don't we? And we forget to call for help. And we have a helper. We have a friend who's closer than a brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. I invite you this morning to take your Bibles, turn to Psalm 133, please. If you found your place, would you stand with us? Psalm 33, 133, excuse me. It's a very short psalm, only three verses. Therefore, I have three hours to preach this morning. <laughs> Behold, and I'm reading from the authorized version, the King James Version. 
Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the beard, upon the head, excuse me, that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Would you bow with me as we pray? Father, we come now to your throne of grace again. We can never, uh, never exhaust our welcome to your throne of grace. And this morning we thank you for those who have come. Lord, only you know what each person is going through this morning. Only you know the heartaches. Only you know the tears that have been shed. We pray that you would use this message, make, it, make a difference in each of our lives and the life of this church. As we look to the future, dear God, guide and direct us. And may everything be done decently and in order. And Father, we'll thank you for it. If there's one here today who does not know our Heavenly Father, if there's one who is not a member of the family of God, Lord, would you speak to their heart today? Would you help them to see their need of salvation and call upon the Lord Jesus before it's eternally too late? We ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. <clears throat> Several years ago, and by the way, before I get into the message here. Uh, would you pray for our pastor? Well, one of my favorite sayings or my favorite slogans is, getting old is not for sissies. Now, I'm not saying that our pastor is old, okay? He's only 39. But he does become weary. And sometimes he doesn't feel very well. So he asked me this week, He's been going through uh, some health issues, and so uh, he asked me if I would preach this morning, and I appreciate the opportunity. But uh, please pray for our pastor, that God will give him grace and strength and health, and he'll be back in the pulpit again next week, the Lord willing. And I believe you're, we're beginning the Beatitudes, is that right, son? Or? Okay. All right, commissioning service next week. From Ezekiel, so be praying for him there, and then I believe he'll be beginning a series in the book of um, for the Beatitudes. All right, that we find uh, in the book of Matthew, especially. Several years ago, I read an interesting article in a National Geographic Society magazine. How many of you have read National Geographic? How many of you still receive those? You still have to, anybody here? No, goodness. You know, you can go to you can go to just about any. Goodwill store, and you'll find a whole shelf full of National Geographic magazines. Well, I read one a few years ago, and the story was about Indonesia, and it was entitled Unity in Diversity. Unity in Diversity. It said this, quote, The national motto of Indonesia is Unity in Diversity. Indonesia stretches across an area of 3,200 miles, there are 13,600 islands with a population of about 280 million people. 300 ethnic groups speaking 250 
different languages. It is the fifth most populous nation in the world, but finding a balance between unity and diversity has proved difficult. The nation is beset with staggering problems, conflicts, and divisions cut, cut right through Indonesian society. And that was in January of 1989. You know, this article reminds me of the situation that we find in our country. We are called the what? United. Everybody say, United. We are called the United States of America. However, we're far from being united. We are a divided country filled with division, violence, hatred, and disunity. Sadly, the same can be said about many churches all across our land. They are filled with strife, conflicts, divisions, and discord rather than unity. God will never bless a country or a church where there is no unity. Amen? You see, we all come from different places, don't we? Uh, we are a diverse people here in our church. We're from different backgrounds. We have different levels of spiritual maturity, but we should be united in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And although we have a diversity of people here, I believe that sweet unity should be the motto of our church. Sweet unity. I, I don't know if President Trump is a Christian, only God knows for sure. But in his, in, in his inauguration speech on January the 20th, 2017, he said this, quote, The Bible tells us how good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. We must speak our minds openly, debate our disagreements honestly, but always pursue solidarity. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. End of quote. And you know, likewise, when a church is united, it will be totally unstoppable also. God always blesses a church where there is unity. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren and sistren to dwell together in unity. Psalm 133 has been called a psalm of brotherhood. And David is rejoicing for uh, the wonderful unity that he sees among the children of Israel. Now, the word unity, it, it simply means union, altogether, agreement, oneness. And do you know what rejoices the heart of God? When there is unity among his people. When God's people are obedient to his word, walking in harmony, and putting into practice what they learn, then there is unity, and it pleases God. And God will never bless a squabbling church, but He will bless a spirit-filled church where there is unity. I want you to notice what this psalm says about unity. 
All right. I don't know when is the last time when is when the last time you read this this uh, psalm, three little short verses, but there's so much in this little psalm. And the first thing I want you to notice in verse one is that unity is proper. It's proper. He says, "Behold." That means that little word. It, it conveys the matter of to see, uh, observe. Sit up and pay attention. And that word behold is used 1,275 times in the King James Version. I don't know about your version, but in mine, that's the only software that I have that told me how many verses are. It is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 29. And then it is last mentioned in Revelation and verse 22 and verse 12. And I will read that. Revelation 22 and verse 12. And I will be using several verses this morning if you want to follow along. Jesus said, And behold, I come quickly. Sit up and pay attention. Listen. I'm coming soon. I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. You know how sad it is, how sad when uh, in many churches, unity is seldom seen. And then the psalmist says, not only behold, but the next thing he says is how good. <clears throat> in other words, Christianity, <coughs> pardon me, Christian unity it's proper, and it's good, and it comes from heaven. Unity is always good. It's good for ourselves. Our testimony is at stake. It's good for our church's testimony. You know, it's good when someone comes, we've had people come and, and say something like, wow, you know, there's something different about this church. And that's always a blessing. It is good for the world to see unity among God's people. Because the world is watching us. It's good for Jesus. Because it brings glory and honor to Him. And so that's the first thing He says here to us. That unity is proper. But then secondly, in the same verse, unity is also pleasant. It's pleasant. How pleasant. And the word pleasant actually means delightful or, or sweet. How many of you have ever had guard duty in the nursery? Yes? And, uh, you know, ha have you ever noticed when children are getting along and, and they're sharing, that what do people say? Oh, how sweet. How sweet. Look at them getting along. Look at them sharing. Well, that's not always true at home, is it? Oh, how sweet. And, and you know what? It brings joy to your heart when you hear that. Well, I believe that when God's children get along and are in unity, I believe it brings him great delight and joy also. And then he says, for brethren, for brethren, it's pleasant. How good, it's good, it's pleasant for brethren. And this precious title, beloved, is used often in the New Testament to refer to those who are related in the Lord Jesus Christ. What did we sing a few minutes ago? Well, we sang, you will notice, we say brother and sister. 
round here. How many of you never heard that before? You're all familiar with it? Next time we sing it, we want you to sing it out. All right, no. You will notice we say brother and sister around here. It's because we're a family and these folks are so near. When one has a heartache, we all share the tears and, I, and rejoice in each victory in this family so dear. How pleasant it is for brethren to get together. You know, for some, for some people, church is their only family. I recall one of our young men in England in our first ministry, his name was Fred. Fred got saved, gloriously saved. We were out visiting one day and he wouldn't get out of the car when I dropped him off at the barracks. And I said, Fred, what's the matter? And he said, you know, pastor, he said, after all this time, I'm not really saved. And I had the joy that morning to lead him to Christ. And he was saved. But you know what? The church became his family. He didn't want to go on leave. You know, in the military, you get leave. You can take leave every once in a while. What is it? How, every, anybody remember? Mike? Chris? 30 days a year. Well, he wouldn't go on leave. You know why? He told me one day, the reason I don't go on leave is because I don't want to miss my family. I don't want to miss anything that goes on here at my church. And that's good for brethren. It is pleasant, he says, to dwell together. And David exclaimed how, how wonderful it is for God's people to live together in unity. To get along with each other is sweet communion. And he says there, not only that he said to dwell together, but he tells us how in unity. You know, in many churches today, um, you may have union, but you don't have unity. And let me give you a little illustration of that. You can, how many of you have a cat? Chris and Mike, I know you've got a couple of cats, right, at least? You only have one now. You admit to one. Chris told me the other day that she has one that's as big as a bobcat, so they're not sure if it really is a cat. What did I say? Oh, I get it now. All right. Okay. But you know what? If you have two cats, you can tie two cat's tails together and you'll have union, but you won't have unity. Unity is pleasant. And where there is unity in opinion and purpose, for God's people to, to agree together is sweet. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. Now, I, this is uh, Paul the Apostle is writing to the Corinthian church here. And he says, Now I beseech you, therefore, uh, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. If you read the book of Corinthians, you'll know that there were a lot of problems in the church at Corinth. And so Paul is telling them here that they need to be of like mind. And then when there is unity in our affection, it's pleasant. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. 
and verse 35. <clears throat> Jesus said in verse 34, And you commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Verse 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. And then, 1 John 4 and verse 7. 1 John 4 and verse 7. John, the author here says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. So for God's people to truly love each other is certainly sweet. You know what? You don't hurt those you love. Amen? When there's unity in our labor. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9, For we are laborers together with God. It's not a one, the church is not a one-man band show. All right? We work, we labor together. And so how good and how sweet it is for us to work together for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not what's in it for me. I don't know how many people I've had down the years of my ministry who came, visited our church, and wanted to know what we had for them. What do you offer? What can you offer me? What can you offer for my children? Never did anyone say, what can I offer you? What can I do for the Lord Jesus Christ here in this local church? Not what's in it for me, but what can I do to further Christ's kingdom? And his church. And so, unity is pleasant. Thirdly, unity is precious. Notice in verse 2 and verse 3. David gives us here uh, two illustrations of the preciousness of unity. First of all, he says, it's like precious ointment. It's like precious ointment. You see, David gives us here a, a picture of unity by comparing it with the precious oil that was used to anoint the tabernacle and Aaron, Israel's high priest. And you can read that in Leviticus chapter 8, verses 10 through 12. But he says here, It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. You see, the ointment, <clears throat> the ointment was a, uh, a beautifully fragrant, costly, refreshing, perfumed olive oil. And it was poured on Aaron's head. And then it flowed down his beard. And then it flowed over his garments. And upon the breastplate that he wore with the names of all 12 tribes of Israel. It symbolized the unity of the nation in worship. And you know, likewise, folks, our unity in worship is also precious to God. And then in the next illustration, he says, not only like precious ointment, but he says, as the dew of heaven, as the dew of heaven in uh, verse, in verse three, as the dew of Hermon, excuse me, of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Here David uses uh, unity, uh, uh, he likens it to uh, the refreshing 
and the all-surrounding dew of Mount Hermon. Nowhere, they say that nowhere in the whole of Palestine is the dew so heavy as in the area that's around Mount Hermon. And just as the dew was refreshing to the vegetation that grew around Mount Hermon, so unity is refreshing to the saints of God. How wonderful it is when uh, to be refreshed when you are around the family of God. Amen? Shouldn't be any turmoil. Shouldn't be any discontent. Shouldn't be any animosity. But there should be sweet communion, sweet unity. What happens when there is discord in our church? I'm not talking about anybody else's church, Brother Jeff. What happens when there's discord in our church? All right. Well, first of all, number one, it will dishonor the master. It will dishonor the master. You see, it brings reproach upon the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the head of this church. And the world out there will see it. Number two, it will defeat the members, causing them to sin against each other and to become carnal. Uh, that is to react in the flesh. And the result will be strife, division, dis disagreement. You know, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you would please. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want to show you one verse here. The Apostle Paul had to deal with this with the Christian church, with the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. He says, For ye are yet carnal, you're, you're in the flesh. For whereas there is among you envying and strife, and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? This was a big problem in the church at Corinth. And you can read through the first book of Corinthians and you'll see the issues that were there that Paul was dealing with. And so when there's discord, it'll dishonor the master, our savior. It will also defeat the members, causing us to sin against each other. But thirdly, it will destroy the ministry of this church and the gospel. We don't realize the consequences that sin causes, that disunity causes in the church. And um, only eternity will reveal how many people have been turned off from going to church because of an unloving, ungodly, unkind, hypocritical, and hypercritical people in churches bickering with each other. Maybe you've been in a situation like that. You know, I remember once in our first ministry in England, I had invited someone to church. And that person asked me if another individual attended our church. And I, I, I said, yes, that person does. And then the person that I was speaking to and trying to invite to our church said this, if he goes to your church, I'll never come to your church. Sad, isn't it? It's sad. And so it's so important that we maintain our testimony. But what happens when there is unity in our church? Well, first of all, God's people can walk together in fellowship because we are going in the same direction. Amos 3 and verse 3 says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Good question, Amos. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7 Notice what 
1 John 1 and verse 7 says. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. When there's unity in the church, we can walk together. Not everybody doing his own thing. Not everybody going in his own direction. But walking together in unity. Second, God's people can worship together. We can worship together. Uh, you know, one commentary said this, quote, In this short pilgrim psalm, in this short pilgrim psalm, David's thought was appropriate for the religious festivals when Israelite families came together to worship their God. End of quote. And our God, beloved, is certainly worthy of worship, isn't it? We worship the one and true God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 29, verse 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. When there's unity in our church, we can walk together. And God's people can worship together. But thirdly, we can work together. We can work together because there's so much to be done and so little time to do it. You know, when Jesus said in John 9 and verse 4, what he said in John 9 verse 4, I think can be said of us. And that is this, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. There's a work to be done, folks. And one man, just the pastor, can't do it alone. One man or the elders can't do it alone. It takes each and every one of us united together to work for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said, and people have taken this out of context, uh, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, that we are to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, that doesn't mean we're to work for our salvation. There isn't anything we could do to merit salvation. Amen? But we can put our salvation to work. And that is what Paul is saying here. And we can do that together in unity. And so God's people, when there's unity, can walk together. We can worship together. We can work together. But then fourthly, we can win the lost together. It takes all of us. The world out there is watching us. They're watching our testimony. They're watching our walk. They're watching our, our witness. We can work together to bring people to Jesus Christ. Because every Christian, every Christian has a responsibility to share the good news of salvation. Jesus said in Mark 16 and verse 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Here are three areas in which it is proper, it is pleasant, and it is precious to have unity. First of all, unity in our faith. In our faith. And you can see Ephesians 4 and verse 13 there. Matter of fact, I'll turn there. Ephesians 4 and verse 13. Ephesians 4.13 says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then in 1 Peter 1 and verse 1, 
Second Peter, excuse me. Second Peter 1 and verse 1. Peter says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have unity in our faith. And then there is unity in our fellowship. And you remember what Pastor said, I think last week or the week before, and I've said it, fellowship, and Mike reminded me the other night, fellowship is simply two fellows in the same ship. Some of you are smiling because you've never heard that. Two fellows in the same ship. We're going, Brother Jeff, in the same direction. Amen? So, unity in our faith, unity in our fellowship. You see, it's proper, it's pleasant, it's precious when we have fellowship with each other and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I'll have one more verse here. John chapter 1 and verse 3 this time. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Unity in our faith, unity in our fellowship, and then unity in our families. It's proper, it's pleasant, it's precious when our families are serving together. It, it's uh, always... a. Uh, it, it always thrills my heart when I see families together, worshiping the Lord together. Uh, I get excited when Josh and his, and, his, and his gang walk in. It's good to see them and all of his children and others who come. It's good for Joshua 24 and verse 15 said, said, For me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. We can rejoice as... David did when there's proper, pleasant, and precious unity among God's people. And then finally, in verse 3, he tells us that unity is prosperous. He says here in the blessing. You see, folks, when there's unity among the people, when, when there was unity among the people of Israel, God blessed them, and he made them to prosper, both materially and spiritually. And only when brethren are in unity uh, can God truly bless His people. Where or when there is unity among His people in a church, uh, they, we can expect to be prosperous. Uh, we can expect God's blessings, especially with eternal life. Notice in verse 3 he, how he ends. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to get to dwell together in unity. And so as I close, may it, uh, may it be said of our church here uh, that we are of one mind and uh, that we do dwell together in unity. In closing, I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 12, please. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 5. The Bible says, So we, being many, 
are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. That verse came to me this morning, just before I came over. We are one body in Christ. You know what that speaks of? That speaks of unity. Unity, being together of one mind, and that we dwell together. May that be said of our church always. So what did the Course say? The Course said, I'm so glad I'm a part of this, the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain and cleansed by His blood. Joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod, for I'm a part of the family, the family of God. I want to ask you, dear one, this morning, are you part of the family of God? You can only become a part of his family by being born again into his family. John 3 and verse 1 through 3, we read about a very religious man who came to Jesus one day. Jesus said, this man wanted to know how to get to heaven. And Jesus said, you must be born again. That's the only way you can become a part of God's family. What about you this morning? I trust that you'll examine your heart. The Bible says that we're to examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. And I trust that you are this morning, that you know him as your personal Lord and Savior. If you're not sure this morning, would you speak to me, Brother Jeff, Pastor, Brother Jerry, several of us here, Brother Scott, we can show you from the scriptures. And you've heard enough gospel this morning to save the world. Amen. Let's bow together. Our Father, we thank you for this precious psalm that David wrote. Lord, how precious it is. Help us to, to sit up and, and to take notice, Lord, that it, it is precious in your sight, that we be of one mind. And I pray that you'll help us to keep that in mind when we gather tonight Lord, for our business meeting. May everything be done to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, again, if there's somebody here today and they're not part of your family, would you help them, convict them of their sin of unbelief? Help them to trust you as their personal Lord and Savior today before it's eternally too late. And Father, if there's any here that, uh, Lord, you've been speaking to about the matter of uniting with this, this uh, assembly uh, to be part of this family, Lord, I pray that uh, they will prayerfully consider that. Bless, we pray now as we close. And ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Do we have a closing hymn? Okay. All right, son. God bless you.